And we're back with another episode of That's Haram. Sahara is with me. Hello, Assalamualaikum. How are all of you? Well, the world's on fire, so we know how everyone's doing. <laughs> I mean, I should still ask. Um, so yeah, as I just said, the world's on fire. We hope you guys are doing okay. Uh, we're going to be talking about Legends of Tomorrow, specifically one maybe slightly... I guess technically two characters. I mean, maybe even three, because we'll talk about Behrad real shortly, too. Yeah, so technically three characters, but this is kind of like the end of the Legends of Tomorrow season, even though it's going to be coming out a little bit delayed, but that's okay. Because, you know, there are other things going on in the world. This can come out a little bit late. We'll be okay. (laughs) It'll be fine. Um, So I guess to just start us off, I will give some brief background on what happened with the show behind the scenes that informs a lot of our complaints, concerns, and just other comments about the arc that Zari 1 and Zari 2 and their brother Behrad received this season. And that is to say that Brandon Routh and Courtney Ford were fired in August of last year, and they knew also last year that Maisie Richardson Sellers would be leaving the show as well but um you know (laughs) Brandon and Courtney do kind of a huge fit and it's unclear how much of the fit led to the plots being shifted around and how much of that was the writers had already planned for the first half of the season to be very focused on Ray's you know 12 year long goodbye but because of that we didn't actually get to see a lot of Charlie or Zari 1, Zari 2, or really even Behrad, because Behrad was dead for a large chunk of the season. So this episode is about what we didn't like, what we did like, and what we hope to see for the Tarazi siblings next season, which will come out one day, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, I do want to clarify, when you say fired, um, they weren't fired for any kind of wrongdoing. The writers were just... Oh, no, they just... Yeah, their plot time was over. They needed the money. Brandon's expensive. Um, For those of you who don't know, as people's contracts age, even if they're not necessarily re-upping every year for more money, they are re-upping for more perks. So um, people who would have originally had to work every day on set, if they work six days a week, when they're in year five, six, whatever, they're working four days or less hours. So they're also getting nicer things like maybe people had to share a trailer but now the person who's older gets their own trailer. So there's a lot of other expenses that go into filling out a contract for an actor. And as we all know, for better or worse, Legends of Tomorrow is absolutely a cast of, uh, it's a revolving door. There are people leaving and coming every single season. And so Brandon also had come from Arrow, right? So he had already, like Katie, Mm -hmm. been on a different show. So his contract was already more expensive. So the writers and also you know, probably WB slash DC, depending on what they want out of Superman, um, felt that it was time for him to leave. And with him, it made sense for um, Courtney, who had played Nora, to leave as well, since their arcs were very closely linked at the end of the their time on the show. And also, I mean, like you said, legends come and go all the time on this cast. Um, I think one of the showrunners were kind of like, the wave rider is kind of the halfway point on any of these characters' journeys that once they've come full circle, they're ready to leave. It was never supposed to outside for maybe a handful of the characters 
be mm-hmm. any kind of permanent place. So, you know, we saw, we've seen characters die. Um, we saw Jefferson leave of his own accord. Um, we saw Amaya leave of her own accord. Uh, spoiler alert. Okay, you've had five seconds to stop. Charlie, the season left of her own accord. Um, you know, and then Ray and Nora, obviously Brandon and Courtney didn't want to leave, but, you know, they left of their own accord too. So, I mean, characters leaving is not a big thing with this show. It's just the characters' arcs come full circle, and part of it, you know, it did feel like Ray's arc was coming full circle too. How long he'd had a life outside of the Wave Rider, so how long is he supposed to, you know, keep on with this crew? Right, exactly. It's so, just frustrating. You know, Sorry, go ahead. so for me, from that meta textual level of even without all the shenanigans or contracts or anything like that, it had felt for a while for me that once Ray was really going to settle down with Nora and once they were going to become a thing, that his arc was coming, his time with the Wave Rider was really, it was already coming to a close. And it felt for me like this would have been a good stepping off point for him. It just, like you said, the 12-year goodbye Um, sorry, I'm just laughing because Rave Rider sounds like a really great time. It also sounds <laughs> like it's Haram. Well, yes, but there are plenty of things that are Haram that are a great time. That's why they're Haram. Anyhow, moving forward, we just wanted to provide that context. And actually, if you want to hear me talk more about how that impacted all of the other characters at length, you can find me on Legends in Review. We did a finale episode that talks very directly about all of this, especially because for any of you who spend any time on Twitter, or even actually now, um, one of my friends sent me a Snapchat news thing about the DCTV actresses and the people who work under Berlanti Production speaking out about their experiences. So, well, this episode, we don't have time to get into it. You know, if you just Google, you will see that there's been plenty of things happening behind the scenes that make it so that for Maisie, she's leaving to do film work and create, you know, continue her film career um, Phil Clemmer said, you know, Maisie is so young and has more ambition at this age than I have at 40. So the cast love her, the writers love her, the executive producers love her. And I think part of Charlie's story, which we won't get into here, the way they wrote it was so that she can come back because they want her to come back. Versus I think once the other two threw their fit, they were like, yeah, we're done with you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, again, Maisie so. Richardson Sellers is young compared to the rest of the cast. Tala yeah. Ashi, she's what, 35? Mm-hmm. Maisie Richardson Sellers is only 28. Yeah. And I so. can't remember who plays Sarah Lance for the life of me. This is so sad. You know, you're not missing anything. It's Katie Lotz. Katie Lotz. Okay. Katie, let me find her. I think she's, I think all the rest of the cast, yeah, she's 33. All of the rest of the cast are really plugging into their 30s or. Or older. You know, yeah. <laughs> So I don't blame, um, and Maisie Richardson Sellers had been doing other things. You know, Jess McCallan is 37, Nick Zano is 42, Dominic Purcell is 50. Uh, old man. He is a grandfather. Yeah, He's Matt actually, Ryan but... <laughs> is 39. So she's a youngin' as far as this cast goes. And she was getting, you know, some decent work picking up before she did 
to stop over to Legends. So I don't really blame her for wanting to, you know, while she still has a window open, see what else she can do. Yeah. And unfortunately, we, we're going to move on from this point, but unfortunately the writers were never going to give her her due uh, time on the show anyway. So I'm glad that she got to leave on her own accord. And she, she didn't have to give them a full year. She could have just quit. But she gave them the full year. She said, I'm going to do this final season. And then she got to leave and do whatever she wants pending, you know, and, COVID shenanigans. Yeah, and the door is always open for her to come back. Because she exactly. didn't burn her bridges. Exactly. What was so, it you were saying last night, Sahara? Um, it was interesting. Courtney Ford got to come back for a cameo, but no mention of Ray whatsoever. Yeah, in exactly. Yep, in the finale. So clearly we're talking spoilers if you didn't really... I mean, we should always just say that up front. Oh, this will be a spoiler full episode. Um, Nora got to come back, not as Nora's character, but as uh, Marie Antoinette, Antoinette, as one of the encores. So, you know, they let her back on set for that period of time. And then they were like, cool, you did the thing. But let's switch gears because this episode is about Tala and Zari and Zari and Bahrad. And... Um, you know, Corey, I'll let you go first, because I clearly always have opinions about Zari. But what did you think? What are your thoughts about Zari 1, Zari 2, you know? I thought, you know, they left it open. Zari, again, spoiler, Zari 1 wound up having to go back into the totem, because her being in, outside of the totem was causing an issue with the timeline, and Bayrod was going to die. And her entire thing about why she did anything she did was to save her family. So... She at least they at least got to remember her now instead of her being just like completely forgotten. And the door is open that they could bring Zari 1.0 back. And I think she got a really good send off compared to just kind of last year where you were like, well, what's going to happen now? And it feels like we got closure and Mm -hmm. that we could always see her again. And I absolutely love that she got to have like two episodes where she was just like in charge showing how badass she was and, you know, taking control of the situation when the rest of the legends are like, dirt. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say I was really, really missing Zari 1.0 at the start of the season. And then Zari 2.0 really grew on me. Uh, part of it is like you get to see Zari of what happened when she didn't have all of that trauma. Mm-hmm. And... I, I I will say, Ray being gone left most of the comedy having to be done by Bayrod and not Nick Zano, Nate by Bayrod and <laughs> Nate, and it was to the point where they were they were starting to look a little bit like idiots that couldn't function. So. Uh, Zari there being she's fun and she's lighter but she's also still sardonic and you can still see the elements of like Zari one in her but she's lighter and you can see her without that lifetime of trauma and also she's with her she didn't grow up having to hide that she was Muslim so it's more overt like the alhamdulillah at the very end of the Mm -hmm. second to last episode like, I was, I remember Sahara was like, oh, she says it. And then I saw it, I was like, oh, she said it. And <laughs> so you get to see just meta wise what this character is like without that trauma and how much more open she is. And I really grew to appreciate her for 
this iteration, like, she's very, like, relation savvy, which none of the other legends are. Let's be real. Um, <laughs> she's very relation savvy. She's very, I can talk my way out of an issue. And she, I think I love seeing her buddy-buddy thing Bert, growing with Ava. Because mm-hmm. they are so opposite. Absolutely. But I love, like, they had that one episode where Sarah was out of town and they were going to have to go investigate something. And, like, she, um, Ava brings up, like, Marie Kondo. And she's like, does anybody else know this? And you can see Zari's in the background. Like, yeah, absolutely. And she's trying so hard <laughs> to be supportive when the rest of the crew are just like, eh. So, she, like, she really grew on me and I think really kind of justified why Zari 2.0 should stay. Yeah, absolutely. I echo Corey with all of that. I really, I love Zari 2.0 from the start out of spite because this fandom has a lot of chaotic, and chaotic is the nice way of saying things I'm not going to say on this podcast, um, people who immediately were like, oh my gosh, she's going to be an influencer? That's awful. And the thing is, Tala herself was like, I don't really know how I feel about Zari 2.0, and it took me a couple of episodes to really feel this character out and make her my own. And the writers, too, mind you, no credit to them, were like, yeah, we don't really know if we like Zari 2.0 either. And I'm like, well, then why'd you write her like that? But somehow they figured it out, they got into a groove as well, and Zari 2.0, I think, has just been a really fun character to watch grow, and you know, Zari 2.0 and Zari 1.0 are literally the same person. They're two sides of the same person. And as mm-hmm. Corey mentioned, one has dealt with years of trauma and, you know, finding her brother dead. And the other has, since she was a child, been dealing with um, PR and people in her face and paparazzi and making a business. And related to the religion thing, you know, the show's always been really overt about the fact that Zari's Muslim and that she doesn't drink, and they've been really good about that. But this season especially, it's come up as a way for her to be like, something's wrong. I'm going to figure out what the problem is. With the first time Mary Antoinette shows up as an encore this season, and also when they're drinking from the chalice after getting it from Dionysus. And um, not only that, too, but they made an effort, or maybe Tala made an effort, or maybe it's just because Constantine was dying from lung cancer, but every time where she's around him and he's smoking and she takes a cigarette away from him and it's like, that's gross, um, is just so great because smoking is also considered wrong even though clearly plenty of people do it. And so I really appreciate that through line of this is Zari growing up Muslim in a world that's, this sounds like a weird way of putting it, but like base level Islamophobia because it's just like the real world. But right. it's not where she straight up isn't allowed to have her religion and... She can dress however she wants, and she can do whatever she wants. And speaking of dress, actually, the episode where they're in the TV shows, Zari 1.0 possessing Zari 2.0's body and being like, what the hell am I wearing? I need to wear a shirt and, like, not necessarily cover up because, like, it's not modest, but just that's not what she's comfortable in. And And also it's like a – and the shoes. And, like, a protective, like, what is going on? Why doesn't anyone know what's happening? Like, I need to solve the problem. So I think they made a lot of choices in the back half of the season that were really great and really wonderful. Um, it's just, they, if they had given Zara and Zari and Baharad the space, I think we would have been able to get so much more out of those characters. Because in the finale, then, it's awesome to watch Zari, Zari, and Baharad interact with each other and, like, essentially living their like, best parent trap 
uh, live, it's like the three of them for four months, which we don't really get to see much of the four months, which is, I, I am frustrated by that because then we could have really gotten to see Zari 1.0 interacting with everyone outside of Nate. Her relationship with Nate is obviously really important, but like, so was her relationship with literally everyone else on that ship. Her and Charlie don't even get to share a scene before she leaves. So, you know, there's a lot more they could have done, but it was really nice to see Zari and Zari be like, oh my gosh, this other version of me is so different. And I do like that we got to really kind of flesh out Zari 2.0's relationship with Dayrod of how it grew over the season. And at the very end, you know, those two are, you know, linking hands and boosting the air totem power. Like, I'm really, this is one thing I'm looking forward to next season if we ever get it. And they don't just completely screw it up. Of, I'm really looking forward to see... Zari and Bayrod as their own dynamic duo sibling pair. Right, absolutely. And I will give Legends credit. It's like they did a reverse engineer of what happened in the comics of Bayrod dies and that sets Zari, who, you know, we they don't let her have the code name Isis anymore for obvious reasons. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, that's what sets Zari off on a, you know, I'm very jaded path instead of being very compassionate. So they kind of reversed the Bayrod thing of here, Bayrod was already dead, and then they found a way to bring him back. So I will give them, like, the tiniest quarter penny of credit for that. Mm-hmm. And also, like, yeah, we definitely. have Muslim sibling superheroes, which I think is great. Right. And I mean, it's hard because I think, so metatextually, like you were saying, and just knowing the fact that the legend writers are always flying by the seat of their pants, which I will outright say is a really awful way to be writing a TV show. Literally, Phil in his post-mortem interviews was like, yeah, we always get to the end of the season and like our budget is low and we're all really tired. And we realized we did all of these things with our villains and now we have to like pull all these pieces together and we're really excited for aliens next year because like aliens are easy, even though you know they're absolutely going to be like, if we're friends, then they'll stop being bad guys. But that's neither here nor there. You know, if they just planned slightly better, then we would get to see a little bit more. And they did say that they want to do more sibling stuff and they want to have more, you know, them kind of like ribbing each other and getting to see more of the relationship. And so I would love to see, you know, who knows what they're going to be able to do with guest stars. But if they're able to get little kids in, having a flashback of them as children, because I think that would inform a lot of them as adults. We do know that, you know, their parents are posited as kind of stereotypical, like, um, Persian parents who really support their their son. But, like, Behrad, unfortunately, and this is a really big problem for me, has only been posited as someone who does drugs and is kind of really dumb. Because all we get out of him is, well, he was Zari before before right and and this new timeline he's sorry so whatever his personality is we're just supposed to like read off the screen but we're not actually given anything and even in the last episode where he and um astra are in the tv show in the second episode you know he's like oh so we were going to be engaged and it's just frustrating because we still don't actually know what Beharad is like and so i'm really hoping that if he's staying on as a full regular not just as a recurring next season that we really get to see his character fleshed out because otherwise why bring him on in the first place? It's super unnecessary. Yeah, that is one thing I am 
Like, we know Bayrod doesn't usually drink because of that Mary Antoinette episode where Zara's like, since when do you drink? And he's like, what? Mm-hmm. Whoa, how did I even get this? But we know he's the stoner, and that's still Haram. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I, Sahara, we've talked about before in episodes of, like, you have these quote-unquote super liberal Muslims that they eat bacon or they drink or they do something that's haram. That's how liberal they are. And I'm like, it's borderline for me that Bayrod is a stoner in that sense of, like, they're trying to show that he's laid back and they, <clears throat> they're they using a lot of shorthand, which is not appropriate for a Muslim exactly. character. Right. And the thing is, like, if he wants to be a stoner, fine. Like, there are plenty of Muslims who smoke weed and have specific, like, whatever. I don't really care about that specifically. It's, that's the only thing he does. Yeah. And he's supposed to be Nate's best friend. And even the friend's, the friend's uh, knockoff was best buds, buds with the ultimate buds. And so what, it's like, what do we know about him? He's apparently been faking that he's been in business school. His parents love him and didn't give a shit about what Zari Tupuna was doing in her life, which is really frustrating. She's incredibly intelligent and picks up immediately that they're lying to her and that's why she ends up on the ship um and then he dies and then he comes back and then he's kind of a dork and then it's like okay well now the season's over so while i'm really glad that he gets to have his moments with both of his sisters ultimately beharad is one of the least developed characters we've had on the show which is saying something for a show that I have a lot of problems with. So if they don't at least next season with Sarah gone, probably the first episode and maybe another couple, if she's directing again, Katie Lotz is directing again, they need to fill that space properly and they need to give Behrad time with all of the other characters um, so that we can really see who he's like, because even if he's just with Zari, that's also frustrating because then it's just Zari's brother. So we need to have him be a fully actualized human being who isn't just there for comic relief. Yeah, and we got to see little moments of that. Like, he's a... It's like Bayrod's goofy. That's his thing. And you get to see little moments like when Zari, he's like, here, play a game with me, and she beats him, and she legit starts freaking out. You can see that drop. Exactly. Like, how did I do this? (laughs) Yeah, where she's like, how did I do that? And And you can see, like, it drops, and he becomes serious, but we don't ever really get to see that with him being serious for more than like a minute or two and you can see these little i think that's what makes it so frustrating is you can see they give us these tiny tiny little glimpses and then they Mm -hmm. just throw them away like they're never Mm -hmm. followed up on absolutely and then that's just an issue with the show in general because again if you want my full hot takes just this is another episode but i think that at this point it is season six and um the writers and the showrunners need to have a real kind of Jesus moment about how are we going to write these characters, especially now that they're even more restricted because of the fact that with COVID, if they are allowed to film, there can't be any kiss scenes. There can barely be any hugging scenes. You know, are they going to have the A plot be in one set for the whole week and the B plot be in another set the whole week? You know, all of those um, considerations will really affect the plot. And so mm-hmm. with that being said, how are they going to create plots, especially because they're supposed to be dealing with aliens in space, how will they deal with, okay, well, one of the two co-captains is gone, Ava is really depressed right now, Nate is supposed to be her person because he's lost everyone ever, which is also really frustrating, so 
are Beharat and Nate, who are best friends, going to talk about the fact that, like, the person that they lost happens to also be Beharat's sister? Um, and actually, Nate and Sari 1.0 literally got together over their shared depression and sadness and love of Amaya. So there's just so many things here that, like, how are they going to do it? I don't know. I don't think they do either. Um, but they're currently breaking the season right now, actually. The writer's room all just started work again in the last week and a half to two weeks. So I'm intrigued to see where they might take this. Because at least for the CW, they're not even planning on filming anytime soon. Um, for once in his life, Mark Pedowitz actually has planned something, I think, in the proper manner. Where they are hoping for a January launch for all of the re- returning shows. But even that, I think, is a little early. But at least they have the time to, like, really sit down and figure out what the heck they're doing. I hope. Maybe. I hope we get to see Bayrod really sit and grapple with the fact that everything he knows of his life, like, was Zari's. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that, you know, he now has the knowledge that his sister loved him so much that she is willing to essentially go back into a little prison world for forever. Yeah. And gave her life for him. And she did it twice. So, right, exactly. And that, you know, Zari 2.0 was willing to go down into hell, really, to fight to get him back. So, you know, we started the season where he is just so over his sister. And we end the season where he's kind of been slapped in the face that really any version of his sister is willing to die for him. So I hope that we get to see that relationship. And again, you talk about it's like Bayrod gets a lot of his parents' attention. And he grumbles about it a lot. But you also mentioned it's like they frowned a lot on what Zari does and they don't really seem to. And I'm like, there's some uncomfortable stereotypes there that I really don't like that. I don't know that they inadvertently did it, but it seems like there's. No, I think they did it on purpose. Like I, like I said, I think they absolutely did the stereotypical, you know, non-white parent and the way that like, this is a thing that happens in our broader cultures. Like the, the, the son is the prince and the son does get away with everything. I don't know that I want to give them that much credit though. But that's what I'm saying. No, that's what I'm saying. I think they did it on purpose, but they shouldn't have. Like, they either need to follow through with it or they need to leave that shit alone. Excuse my language. Because these writers, um, even if there are people, there are two black people on the staff, but we know from the history of the Berlanti Productions and who the boss was there for the first few years, even if they say anything about how that's really problematic, it's not going to be taken out. And so I think that because they did that, they need to follow through with it. Because the whole premise of Zari 2.0 has been my parents don't trust me or respect me, but they love my brother who doesn't actually do anything with his life. Which is what has canonically been told to us, right? He's been in school for five years, and Nate is his professor. So, you know, the way the show has kind of gone around that is that timey-wimey shenanigans to borrow from Doctor Who... But at some point, they need to address that. And so 15 episodes, 16 episodes, however many episodes they get, they're going to need to really deal with it. Because now that Brandon and Courtney are gone, um, Maisie is gone, pretty sure Olivia Swan is gone, even if they're bringing on a new person, they now... um, Ramona is gone, because I don't think she's coming back at all for this next season. They just lost five people. So it'll be very clear if the space just gets stuck to... Ava's really sad because Sarah's gone, right? 
So mm-hmm. I think that there's room in the plot, in the 45 minutes, which, by the way, they were like, we shot 15 extra minutes of this episode, but obviously we had to cut it. And you know half of those, epi- those minutes were absolutely Charlie scenes. So what will they end up actually doing? You know, we can only speculate, but they need to, I think, to, to prove that they actually care about Behrad, they, they need to tackle all the stereotypes that they've not put in the show about him. Right. I mean, I would hope that they would at least circle back around to that instead of staying at, okay, we've seen how competent Zari 2.0 is and right. how driven she is and that she, within her family, really doesn't get her due for that. So if, on multiple levels, I need them to rectify this. Yep. Because... It, it's problematic. Uh, I'm just going to leave it. Be, I'm going to be diplomatic and just say it's problematic. Yeah, I'm just going to say it's racist. <laughs> I'm not going to be diplomatic at all. But continue. Well, you, I feel more comfortable with you saying that for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, it really is, you know, racist. And they need to address that and at least try to resolve it on script of, you know, the family realizing Bayrod is not the golden prince and Zari is more than just what they've written her off to be. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because if we're going to continue this line of the stereotype, like most, I will say this from following um, Muslim influencers myself, right? From people who are influencers in on Instagram, whether it's makeup related or because of something related to what Zari does with her. Well, what Zari was doing on cat chat before she was, forcibly put on the ship um is that it does take a lot of parents to be like okay i don't really know how this works because i think across the board regardless of ethnic background influencer uh the influencer lifestyle is confusing (laughs) because like okay my kid is going to put themselves on youtube and somehow that's going to pay their life like salary right like so that part i think makes total sense it's a realistic response from any parent who's like I sent my kid to college for four years and now I think they should be in a nine-to-five job, blah, blah, blah. But I think specifically with Behran and Zari, because we don't really get to see Behran be anything outside of this goofy stoner character, it makes it even harder to be like, okay, well, so have the parents seen this part of him or does he just get away with everything because he's the son? And if it's the latter, that's a huge problem. If it happens to be that at home, he's a different person. And he actually shows more fill-in-the-blank, you know, whatever it is that he is, then that, I think, is doable. And that, I think, makes more sense because it also means that the parents aren't being portrayed as dumb. Because that doesn't work either. Mm-hmm. So I think with Behrad, at least, um, you know, like we both just said at length, like, we just really want to see him fleshed out. And I think with Zari, too, the other thing I want to mention real quick in relation to this is I... Corey isn't a big fan, but I actually really do love the Zari Constantine relationship. However, same interview, Phil Klemmer was like, yeah, you know, Zari um, 2.0 has really just shown how cool she is because a man like Constantine has fallen for her. And I'm like, what? She doesn't need a man. She has lowered herself to be with Constantine, okay? She has. She is amazing just the way she is. Constantine is constantly area man causes all problems. Literally this season and last season, all of the issues were related to him. Had he not done what he did with Natalie, Astra would not have been in hell. Therefore, she would not have met Lachesis, who was a fate. And therefore, Lachesis would not have gone after Charlie. Literally, that's not how this works, Phil Clemmer. Please shut your mouth. Why did they let you do the interviews? Because 
after Brandon got mad at him, he wasn't doing any interviews. <laughs> so, so, you know, if that's if that's how the writers feel about Sorry 2.0, then I don't know that I want to see any of Sorry 2.0 scenes next season if that's what they're going to say. I don't think they do. And I don't think they mean it maliciously. Like, I understand what they're saying is that Sorry is really amazing and Constantine has fallen, Constantine has fallen for her and neither of them expected it because they're absolutely opposites attract, right? Mm-hmm. And part of it is absolutely a credit to the fact that Tala and Matt are just theater nerds. <laughs> Nick Zano in an interview was like, yeah, I love watching them act together. They're just so geeky <laughs> and it's great because it informs a lot of their interactions as characters. But mm-hmm. again, if Zari 2.0 gets turned into... Well, the Herod gets to wear the totem, and I'm just on the ship because they keep, they kept me on the ship, and it's because I'm dating Constantine. Huge. I problem. don't want that. I'd rather. I mean, I mean, know. I don't want to say I'd rather not have a character because that you know you're saying you'd rather not have somebody have a job, but yeah, yeah, you know. You know and I, mean. I will say, I will say too. I'm pretty sure that I feel like so. Okay, let me see how I want to put this. So. So slightly a tangent, but also semi-related. I think COVID, and Corey and I have talked about this in a couple of our past episodes, and I've written about it in a couple of my articles in the last few months, especially the Upfronts piece, is the the studios and the unions and everyone and their mother can come together and create some beautiful 23,000 word plan for how to come together and film. But I think COVID, for a lot of people... Actors, non-actors, whatever, has kind of crystallized people's new, uh, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for. Not, um, what is it that I'm looking for? The struggle is so real today. Oh, like the priorities. Priorities. There we go. (laughs) Um, It has really crystallized, I think, people's priorities. And for actors who have to plan their lives a solid year and a half ahead because of contract reasons, you know, Charlie Gate, Charlie... Maisie gave a full year, and I could very much see Tala, this is coming up on year five for her. She is super involved in theater. She was actually going to be starting the show the week that everything started shutting down. They were literally just about to start doing tech for that show. I could see her be like, okay, well, this is my last year. I'm ready to also go on to do things. Like you mentioned, she's 35. Um, I want to go on to do other things. And I think the CW in general, and any TV show, right, like it's a paycheck. People want their paychecks. But Mm -hmm. I also think that, like Maisie, a lot of the people who have come through Legends have absolutely been... I mean, Victor Garber, he left to go be in a... I think it was a musical. Um, A lot of the people who come through are very much... Their their joy and their passion is in theater, and they also enjoy doing TV. So I could see Tala leaving, and if that's the case, then they better... Right now, while they are meeting... Well, today's Saturday. So on Monday, (laughs) when they are meeting work be figuring out what they want to do with these characters by the time they're going to be filming because even if they don't write any of the episodes now they are breaking the full season and plotting the full arc so they need to get it done and figure it out because otherwise tall is going to get shafted just like Maisie did and that's not cool mm-hmm. i mean I, there's not really a whole lot for me to add to that you pretty much <laughs> um but i think overall like i think overall i did really enjoy the back half I really did enjoy watching Zari grow in her relationship with everyone. Her and Mick, amazing. I need to have more of that now that Mick has really grown into I want to be a really great dad for Lita. And um, the Sorority episode was one of my absolutely favorite episodes. Also, I was in Greek 
life, I was in a sorority, and my sorority house looks like the entry to John's house, which is just really funny. Um, and so it was really fun watching Zari kind of take charge there and be like, hey, let's put together a sorority and let's do what we need to do. And then that episode also allowed Astra to finally be like, we need to do stuff my way. All of you are really nice and it's not working. And like, she was right. They needed to do stuff her way to get the chalice. It did lead to, you know, all of them dying in the zombie episode, but that's neither here nor there. And so if we can get more of that, if we can get a, a final, well, I don't mean like final, this show's ending. I just mean like if we can get like a final season where literally the beginning, middle and end are all really good. I don't think it'll happen. But even if we can get 75% of the way there, <laughs> like, I think it would be really great for all of the characters and all of the actors. Because then they also feel like coming to work while there's a pandemic raging is worth it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We'll have to wait and see what happens if the show ever yeah. gets to come back. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's, yeah. just, there's, there's too much unknown, and we're just going to have to wait. Um. Like Sahara said, th- this is just an episode of that Taram. So there's stuff that's beyond the scope of this episode about Legends of Tomorrow that uh, she was in, what was it, Legends in Review? Yeah. And you guys can go and listen to that if you're still jonesing for some uh, Legends of Tomorrow discussion by the time this episode comes out. Uh, don't forget, we have other podcasts on the Fundamentals Network. Ladies first, we are back for the summer, at least doing two episodes a month. Um, We have an episode coming up after this episode airs with uh, Wendy Curry that I'm really excited about that Taylor is joining me on. So we've got like three generations of bisexual or queer women talking about (laughs) (laughs) our experiences and how things have changed. So... um, I'm very excited about that episode. Uh, Be sure to check that out if you don't mind. Uh, Don't forget, we also have Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. We have The Fundamentalists, Unabashed Book Snobbery. We also have Fae Forge Academy, which is weekly. It is a live play of Dungeons & Dragons with their own campaign going on, so check them out as well. Thank you guys for tuning in today. I know there's a lot going on in the world, and we hope that you are being safe. And I do want to take this time to say unequivocally, and I took this time in Ladies First as well, that Black Lives Matter and the Fundamentals is fully supportive of the protests and of this movement. And we have been, if you haven't already seen them, we have been on our social media posting resource links. So if you need some help with that, um, go check those out. Sahara, did you have anything you wanted to add? I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. And if you are, you know, new to the movement, please, there are so many resources. Just take 20 minutes of your time to even just, like, read about it to learn more about what's happening. Because I think it's really easy to doom scroll on Twitter and watch all of the videos of the protests and what's happening there. But it's not just a, hey, police brutality issue. It's a racism in our everyday lives it's in your families in your friend groups in your schools every institution so there's always room for every single one of us to work on becoming anti-racist and consistently so Mm -hmm. and i will say something sahara said there are more resources now than there have ever been before for you to 
go and read and start that path on anti-racism that is very easy to find more than I think have ever been before available online and they're available for free most cases for Mm -hmm. you to at least start that journey so we do encourage any of you listening who haven't already to look those up and I will say just because it literally happened as we are finishing this episode TV line gave Tala an honorable mention for performer of the week because of just, you know, the fact that she played two characters. And I will say, in case anyone's asking, well, didn't What's-Her-Face do it on Orphan Black? Yeah, she did play a lot of characters, but Legends of Tomorrow does not have the funds for that, and they don't want to kill Tala, which is super fair. So getting to have her be two different characters for the majority of an episode and her having to act against herself herself just shows how absolutely talented Tala is. So if they waste that next season... I'm going to find Phil at his home. I am joking. I'm not going to actually. But I will send him strongly worded messages on the internet. And he should make sure he does a good job with her. Yeah. So that's how I will, that's how I will end that episode. I love the backpedaling there. No, wait, wait. Don't do the haram thing. <laughs> send him angry messages on Twitter. I will allegedly find him. Only because this fan is really dumb. And keeps posting photos of his home with the sliding glass door. And sliding glass doors are just not just don't do that y'all i watch a lot of hgtv just stop anyways thank you all for listening don't don't go find creator homes or actor homes that's creepy like that's wrong yeah definitely don't do that i would never actually that's just like i just full body shudder anyways thank you all for listening i hope you all are staying safe if you are out protesting please 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 wear a mask and try to take care of yourself covid has not gone away and while i am all for protesting we also need to be careful because COVID will cause. COVID won't well. discriminate again on who it goes after. Exactly. There is every single reason to be angry. We fully support those, but unfortunately, coronavirus does not care. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I think not to keep extending this episode, but just the fact that we are there are people out and about protesting. It highlights the way that COVID has really uh, led to simultaneously pissing more people off because of the way the disparities have been when it comes to deaths from COVID, but also everyone's stuck at home. So now we can go out and protest. So if you've ever wanted the days to be shorter for work, this is one of them. There you go. We are going to wrap this up because otherwise we're just going to keep finding other things to talk about. So thank you guys for tuning in. Be safe. Be careful. We'll see you next month.